Hello, Internet, and welcome to another kind of episode of the Untold Talks of Spider-Man. Hello, ladies and germs, and we are back with the B-sides of the kind of back half of Web of Spider-Man 2. This is going to be kind of a weirdo round robin where, sadly, I'll probably just be describing the tales. I'll, I'll try to work in talking about them, but this is a lot of quick hitters, so... Let's dive in. The initial one is Un Nova Imagina, uh, J.M. DeMatteis writing, Val Semkes pencils, Dan Green inks, Chris Sotomayor coloring, Dave Sharp letter, and a special thanks to Carlo Cartel for invaluable assistance, whatever that means, but with the way these things were coming out, it might have been someone, you know, just greasing the wheels and helping get things together so this is an interesting book and as noted this is a tale of ben riley so we we jump in and we're kind of seeing that he's he's in this in-between place again where we kind of left him at the start of web of spider-man and uh He's found his way to Rome and he's teaching, but as we're setting this up, we're establishing the fact that he almost committed suicide by uh, putting a loaded gun in his mouth and then decided not to. And so now he's teaching. And it should be noted here that this is, you know, Ben Riley teaching 2010, whereas it was 2001 about when Peter was really teaching in the high school at New York. So this is kind of echoing and taking a similar path, but yet it's different. He's teaching literature here. It, it's supposed to be this prestigious school, but what's funny is if you look at the class, it looks like it's all girls so I, I don't know if the, if co-eds is much of a thing or whatnot it's just kind of an odd flourish that's there in the art and on the text and uh peter's out having dinner and there's this you know woman there who is taking a liking to him you know the old parker luck at least the the upside of it and benjamin's buddy there is pushing him to you know ask her out he's like i don't know i don't think she's interested in me and then, you know, good friend this guy is, calls out and says, you know, Ben wants to talk to you. And he's kind of just goaded into asking her out. And she basically, like, takes it over for him. Like, she's definitely been interested. His friend says, I'll make an Italian of you yet. I don't know. It's just, it's a really charming, like, romance scene, which is, I don't know, half the fun of reading Spider-Man comics sometimes. And Ben comes home and there's this, you know, mook waiting for him saying, like, 
Sorry, I let myself in. I brought my own bottle because I know you don't drink, which I thought was interesting. Even the darker Peter Parker doesn't drink. He's a teetotaler. And I, I feel like I knew that, but I didn't know that about Ben. So I don't know, in- interesting note, especially for those drunk Pete fans out there. And this guy starts digging into Ben. He's saying, you know, everything about you is fake because he faked my identity to get here and do the school as he's been roaming around. And this guy even says, you know, I, I have a vibe about you and I can tell you're a good guy, but you're just not good enough for her because this woman that Ben was hitting on, they haven't even gone on a date yet. So this is like, they're hawking her. Like th- the immediacy of that actually helps tell the story. It's really interesting, like controlling mafia father. It's a trope, but it's using the trope here to tell the story without having to like say as much because this thing's, you know, just a handful of pages. And so then Ben gets upset, and as this guy's driving off, uh, Ben rips him out of his car, almost chokes him to death, and realizes, like, you know, I can't do this. He's leaving the woman alone on the date, and he's on a bus out of there, and he's on to his next little adventure. I just... I don't know, for such a tight little thing, this is a fun little aside for Ben Riley in his off years, and it's just there, and I... I honestly couldn't tell you if this is picked up or used anywhere else, really, but uh, I don't know. It's a strong few little pages. All right, the next chunk is technically a three-parter, but because this is tucked in the back, it's about the size of an issue. About, not even quite. Uh, And this is the jackpot story in the back of three issues. So the chunks are called jackpot in and then it's reflections negative reinforcement and double-edged sword all done by the same creative team less than an issue though so over three months um mark guggenheim writing sana takanada artist david sharp letter and tom brenneman editor so first off i just want to talk about the art here because it's all the line work is great and there's a nice use of like backgrounds and city lights like i really like that but all of the characters are colored in this weird digital coloring style that makes everything like liquid and rubbery and shiny and i don't know it is a weird look and i there's nothing wrong with it there like i'm sure it's definitely for some people i just do not like it (laughs) So that's the whole thing uh, there. And then, so the story starts with Jackpot fighting Shocker, seemingly to just kind of set us up like she's a superhero, oh yeah, and have a little action because we quickly end up in the courtroom where we have Jackpot there who's been living under an alias with her daughter because her husband's been murdered. I believe we're supposed to know this, but I certainly don't remember. I don't remember Jackpot at all. (laughs) So I don't know if this takes place before or after her mini. I know there is one. I haven't read it yet. So I, uh, okay. So we know Jackpot exists. She's a character. She's dealing with the trial about her husband's murder, which is her whole big deal, which to me, real quick, is not really like a superhero. Like a superhero goes out and does good for people. If they're always just wrapped up in their own BS and taking care of their own origin story or whatever it is, you know, they had a problem. They dealt with it and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But to me, that's not like a superhero. Maybe heroic, you know, certainly protagonist of their story, but not superhero. So yes. (laughs) 
she's in court dealing with uh, trying to pin down Fred Myers, you know, the boomerang, the guy who lodged a boomerang in her husband's heart and killed him. And so uh, because she's been a superhero and people are unsure, she's been living under an alias. Uh, this quickly gets turned around on her because when Fred Myers came in, he didn't have to break in. Um, he just rang the doorbell and, you know, they figured it was like the pizza guy or whatever. Delivery man, they say. Um, and, you know, killed him. So there's no forced entry. He's killed. And then she's off living under an alias with her daughter and doing the whole superhero thing. So it's quickly turned on her that she was the one who murdered her husband. So she now needs to bring in Boomerang alive. Which leads us to negative reinforcement, where we quickly find out um, he's been embroiled in a whole deal because he was broken out of jail by Mr. Negative, who was hired by the Rose, who initially set up her husband's murder, which I'm sure was more explained elsewhere. <laughs> and so then she has to fight some other mooks. Hey, there's something weird. It's the Red Dragon, but he used to be the Black Dragon or something. I don't care. Some character I've never seen before and hopefully we'll never see again. But they end to a fight, yada yada. Uh, and so then she tracks down Mr. Negative, who has kept Boomerang alive because there was a moment where we thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Oh my god. Uh, and so we just go through this whole melodrama to just kind of arrive at she's able to pull Boomerang out and she's weirdly chummy with him all things considered and so she's kind of resolved her problem but we don't actually see it resolved in court which given all the legal dramas i've seen feels like a pretty big hanging deal that they don't resolve it there because unless you present all the evidence properly and there's nothing to make a problem with it because there's still going to be the attorney on the other side pressing against you like i this isn't like open and shut so i don't know um I, I, and I'm sorry to just kind of talk you through this story. I just don't have that much to say about it because I felt like it was such a big question mark. Like, I feel like you really needed to know Jackpot to really access this story and have many feelings about it because we're just pulled along across these few pages and there's a few beats and there's not a lot of character in there. And so far as I know, Jackpot's only been in like a handful of other stories, a la her moment in Brand New Day with Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I think there was an annual that was mostly hers and then um, her own three issue mini and this. So there you be. Uh, I, I would not recommend digging up these stories unless you are the Jackpot fan out there. And if you are, please let me know because I'd be fascinated to hear someone who took to this character who I feel like they're really pushing relatively hard for someone who ended up being kind of a misdirecting gaffe because we were supposed to think Mary Jane was Jackpot and wasn't. So like once that jig was up, like I don't know how much more legs the character really had. So there you go with that. And then on the last issue, out of left field, Roger Stern writing, Philip Brynus arting, Chris Sotomayor coloring, Dave Sharp lettering, and Brenneman editing, we get arms against a sea of troubles, and we open with Otto Octavius as a young boy looking at a giant octopus in the aquarium, only to get kind of bullied by his classmates, a la Peter Parker style, uh, with the looming 
shadow of the Dr. Octopus of who he will be. I, uh, I, I think this is a really fun opening because it really kind of plays like it, like if you, the art was just a little different, you could almost say that was a young Peter Parker. It's just that on. We get the straight, um, I feel like canonized young Otto version with the abusive father and the overprotective mother and kind of the schlubby New York house. His father passes relatively early and then his mother is overprotective, um, pushing his genius, but pushing away anyone near him. They may have just been cribbing notes from the Dr. Octopus chapter one deal or year one, whichever it was. Uh, but, you know, it works here and it tells that much of the story pretty much in like two pages, whereas that was, you know, ballooned out. Um, so I just thought that was kind of incredible. And then we get the moment where uh, Otto's mother is so happy that she found someone she's dating. Otto's upset at her because she's basically barred him from having, you know, a social life dating, that kind of thing. And when he yells at her, she has a heart attack and passes. Um, I'm glad this has played out a little more in other stories, but here it's just kind of there. And then we're right before um, what would have been the first, you know, appearance of him in Amazing, where we see his co-workers at the lab that he thinks very little of, you know, saying, you know, Spider-Man, I don't care if they say he's a menace, he's all right, which I think we all know means these people are on the up and up and cool, but Otto's against them. In his mind, he's not really saying anything to them, and I like that, that, like, antisocial, like, building, so, like, these people are doing something, but they're unaware of how he judges them, really, like, maybe they can assume it, but we're getting the internal monologue there though it's sad because this is the more modern day of marvel and it's all in captions not in thought bubbles a crime i tell you so we move along the explosion happens there's a fun little nugget here though is oh they claim they sounded a warning during the experiment but i never heard it i i mm, that is such that is maybe the biggest addition that this short edition has to otto's origin that you know he was kind of relying on them and expecting them to back him up when something happened and then he just didn't hear that. I just, I really liked that. And then they come out and he freaks out the metal arms, whether or not they're influencing him here is not really touched on. And then we get the kind of initial fight with Spider-Man over a few pages. He webs the eyes, knocks him out, then he's in trial. And then we get the first time Doc Ock's in the prison yard and how this big intimidating guy you know another bully to Otto comes up with a shiv in the yard and basically is going to go at him and then Ock breaks his metal arms free of the restraints that they're in and uh, this guy's like I I thought you were helpless restrained and I am Dr. Octopus I will never be helpless again and I'm the big man around here immediately is that clear uh, I just, you know, it's this big intimidating thing where he kind of realizes with just this, you know, suddenly in this realm, uh, he can he can be the bigger the bigger fish. And so I, I just I got a kick out of this. It did a lot to color in some moments with Dr. Octopus. And this is, you know, coming right up. Uh, this is, you know. This is the end of Web of Spider-Man Volume 2, so we're looking kind of close to uh, when Doc Ock was kind of the big villain, and then we have Superior. It's not too far away, so I, I think coloring in this background with that is was really vital at the time. 
a good reminder of the character at the time and coming back to it it's exciting to read uh he's just he's a vibrant fun villain and character and it's funny that this is the backup story because to me this is so much more again kind of that magic of what this web of bit was and not all of its gold uh that jackpot story was a stinker but um it was also smaller in pages compared to these other backups so i think they knew they just uh had something and they were struggling to fill it and they wanted to do something with this character and it was kind of pushed along but uh ultimately you know the the other one the the ben riley i thought was a strong addition as well and it, it colors in these corners that we wouldn't get otherwise and so i'll take the lumps to reach the positives because it's really easy to kind of skip over the stuff that just doesn't sing so i don't know i hope that i've inspired you guys to check this out and uh, we have one last tale to look at for web of 